Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Whenever you are listening to this, welcome. This is just a really quick introduction and a perspective gainer into this next podcast. So this was one of three that was recorded before we went into lockdown and the world just went a little bit crazy. Uh, During this one, we have the lovely Jackie Spears from NHS Digital. Uh, Jackie is also a mental health mental health first aid trainer. Uh, Jackie talks about her own breakdown, uh, what is mental health first aid is, what is it and where did it come from. So a little bit of history there for you. Ruby Wax and early formations and early signs of mental health difficulties, what I call red flag moments. So please enjoy and please keep it in contact. Hey, 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 Kevin Guthrie here talking all things mental health and well-being. Thank you so much again for listening to another one of our podcasts. Uh, these podcasts are delivered for you, they're recorded for you. We want to break down the stigma that is still around when we look at the subject of mental health and well-being. I have a guest in the studio today, a guest that has travelled some distance, I believe. Uh, so my guest today is Jackie Shears. Welcome, Jackie. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. So, Jackie, for the listener, what do you do? What do I do? I have two hats. I have a thousand hats in life, but in work <laughs> terms, I have two hats. Uh, half my week, I am Director of Mental Wellbeing Transformation yep. at NHS Digital. Yep. And uh, the other half of my week, I provide uh, strategy development uh, and training, mental health first aider training, line manager awareness training into organisations that want to improve the mental health culture uh, of their workplace. So, give me a little bit more about the first part, the uh, NHS Digital. Who are NHS Digital? Because I don't know who they are. Well, indeed. So, um, uh, a silent uh, hero in the background of the NHS. So, all of that enabling infrastructure that allows uh, the size and shape of uh, the NHS, all the organisations in it, to communicate and to have the kinds of leading edge technology that they need to be the best that they can be. So uh, things like uh, the the spine that connects and and allows the exchange of records when you go from one organisation to another, all of that sort of thing, electronic prescribing, all the infrastructure behind 111. So you direct the mental health and wellbeing, did you say? Yeah. Cool. So new role. Yeah. Uh, we've just done uh, a people plan, um, recognising that our people are our biz- biggest asset. Of course. And that uh, their well-being is a fundamental marker of the likelihood of the success of any of the work that we do. Yeah. So focusing on uh, on a people plan and running through all of the activities in that is mental health. So we don't have a separate mental health plan. Yeah. It's a deliberate thing because uh, there are good mental health aspects to your HR policies, yep. your line manager training, your leadership approach. It it, it runs through all of that. So it's like in, black integrated. Block. Yeah. Integrated. And your second hat is? Uh, so working with organisations that recognise the value of their staff, yep. recognise that staff productivity is um, a function of how uh, how mentally well they are feeling as well as how physically well they are feeling. Yeah. Um, so looking at ways to uh, improve that culture in order to reduce 
sickness, absence through mental health issues, stress yeah. and anxiety and depression. Yeah. And also looking at ways to improve the productivity because people feel engaged, supported, yeah. enthusiastic valued. about the employer. Valued. Yeah, exactly that. And you deliver mental health first aid training? I do. I am an instructor for Mental Health First Aid England. So delivering a range of different training, including uh, the two-day course that they have, which qualifies people as mental health first aider. What is a mental health first aider? Uh, can I start with what they're not? Yes. They are not a therapist. It's not the in-house counsellor who yep. can solve all your problems. Um, it's a person who has received an enhanced level of training around what mental health is. Yep around the signs and symptoms of different mental health conditions. Yep. They are not diagnosing. Yep. They are there to provide a compassionate, non-judgmental um, listening service yep. to understand how you're feeling, yep. understand an element of the kinds of things you're struggling with, mm -hmm. and as part of that, then have access to a set of resources that allow them to signpost you to professional support that can help yeah and also provide some ideas and options of things that you can do um as part of your self-care yeah so understanding contributions to mental well-being from you know eating healthily sleeping well yeah um looking at things like um uh the role that telling family and friends can have on recovery yeah um but a lot of it is information that just allows them to understand mental health from a much more supportive perspective yeah. and be be a first place to go. Yeah. Where did the uh, where did for you, you might not know the answer to this question. <laughs> just about to test you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where did where did it come from? Where did mental health first aiders come from? Australia. Oh. Betty Kitchener. Oh, you can answer the question. I, I am probably shuffed with myself. Uh, no, Betty Kitchener developed mental health first aid um, right. about 10, 15 years ago. Yep. Uh, she developed uh, the concept and then uh, franchised it to countries. Right. Interesting business model. Mm. So Mental Health First Aid England yep. holds the franchise to deliver the mental health first aid product. Yeah. Um, In the way that they deliver it in the content and the way that it is delivered. Um, and uh, the Department of uh, Health and Care uh, supports Mental Health First Aid England uh, as, the, as the approach of choice for spreading... Yeah, as the leaders. ...mental health knowledge through, yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a recognised qualification. Um, it, it provides a standardised, consistent approach to sharing knowledge and expertise in understanding different mental health conditions. So when we think about the term mental health first data, so, could, so for example, could I, as, as, as an experienced practitioner, set up a course and say, I'm going to deliver some mental health first aid training? Uh, not through, not with the mental health first aid, uh, mental health first aid England yeah, um, branding. So that so they're quite careful about the instructor training and sign off and qualification. And yeah. it's, it's not a turn up, do a three day course, get your set of slides, and off you go. Yeah, um, they are 
they are quite careful about uh, about the training and about then supervised delivery of the course to yeah. make sure um, that you're you're capable and competent. Um, and then as you as you go out there, there's an electronic feedback. Yeah. Um, for every course participant, so that they can keep an eye on the the quality, keep and it the evaluated, of delivery. Yeah. So you could go and create a, a thing that was yours but it wouldn't have that national badge and the national yeah. recognition why do you think betty invented it uh i imagine betty was uh like many of us aware that you don't have health without mental health no and uh equally aware that we're very focused on um it's okay to be physically ill yeah we understand that um, it's much less okay to be mentally unwell. Yeah. And creating the understanding of what that's like, what the symptoms are like. I, I properly fell off my perch 10 years ago. Um, and that was the point at which I discovered what mental health, mental ill health yeah. was like. And I'd, it bust all of my understanding of what depression was. Definitely didn't think I had depression. Definitely thought the doctor was wrong. A lot of learning happened in that, yeah. that three-month period and since. What, were you, for you, were you already involved in this area or did your involvement come after? Came after. Right, okay. Yeah, I was I was running around having it all. I had three kids and a full-time job. And, yeah. you know, I, the full-time job went, went skywards. I was involved in creating the infrastructure behind NHS 111. Yeah. And so the, the rollout of that was a very intense year. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm... You know, one of life doers. I'm competent, yeah. capable. Turns out I'm also human. <laughs> really irritating discovery. Who knew? Yeah, who knew? <laughs> Certainly not me. Um, and a lot of people knew that I wasn't very well significantly before I was willing to acknowledge it. Yeah. Um, by which time, when I did stop, I'd been running on neat cortisol in my veins. Yeah. The cortisol went away, the stress hormone left. And I couldn't function. Yeah. I got out of bed for a week. Wow. Didn't leave the house for a fortnight. Was off work for three months. Uh, it was it was extraordinary when the stress levels dropped. Yeah. And cortisol went back to its normal level. Adrenaline disappeared. All I could do was sleep. Yeah. Because that's what your body needed. <clears throat> you know, if you look back at that period, can you remember? No. Can you now reflect? And the only reason I'm asking this question is because there will be people listening that may resonate with this one question. For you looking back, can you remember one thing that you are able to look back at and recognise and go, oh yeah, there was my sign, or there was one of my signs? With hindsight, the way I describe it was normal life is like being on a merry-go-round. Yeah. So I'm on the merry-go-round. And it's going around at a nice steady pace. Yep. And as it goes around, I can look out to the crowd. My family's there on the front row. Yep. And I see each time I go past, I see them yep. and I can interact with them. Yep. And that's great. Um, there are friends in the crowd and yep. I can pick those out and wave them because the speed at which I go past allows that to happen. Yeah, I can wave because I'm not hanging on. Yeah, And I can see beyond that. I can see the big picture. I can see what else is beyond the crowd. Yeah. As it starts to speed up and it's going too fast and there's more I have to think about than yeah. my brain can cope with, 
seeing friends gets harder and harder. Yeah. Family is getting truncated. I yeah. can see them, but it's 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 much more fleeting. The yeah. relationship is becoming faster and and much more fleeting, and it's harder to have the connection. Yeah. Um, until the point came where I was hunkered down, I was head down, hanging on. It was just going too fast. Yeah. And I I was the only thing that I could do was hang on tight. Yeah. And keep going. Um, and I didn't realise the extent to which you know the the sort of the fleeting much less connected contact with family was eroding those relationships yeah. and it was only when it all stopped and you look back and go that's what happened and it was insidious yeah it it crept up on me yeah it just got a little bit faster at the time and it and it was only when it was far too fast that i that i had to let go and and come off the merry-go-round yeah what a fantastic analogy. In, interestingly, I was thinking then, I was thinking, so how do we not notice that we're getting faster and faster and everything that we were, were looking at uh, that was in focus isn't now in focus? It's becoming more and more blurred. And immediately in my head I went, because you have another focus and your focus is work. Mm. So you're work, 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 busy, busy, busy. Maybe, maybe growing, maybe expanding, maybe kind of becoming more and more successful, and your focus shifts. So we we don't notice what is going out of focus, yeah. so to speak. So therefore, that's why we don't notice it. Yeah, and I I think there's a lot of pressure to to do lots of parallel things to succeed to succeed, um, and I think. Um, Ruby Wax, I don't know if you've seen Ruby Wax's show. She was on stage at Newark. I didn't see her, but you didn't. It's it's no. amazing the, the neuroscientist and a yeah. and a monk, um, and and she does a an, an amazing observation in the first half of her show, where she talks about um, you know when we when we evolved when our brains evolved, yeah. um, communication was with the twenty or thirty people who lived in our settlement. Yeah. Uh, communication with wider settlements was um, involved a day's walk. Yeah. Um, and you had, therefore, to have brain capacity to have compassion yeah. and communication for the people that were around you. Yeah. And we're now in a place where I, I, I tell the story of the apocryphal moment when I was driving the car, kids were bickering in the background, because that's the job description at that age. <laughs> and um, the radio's on telling me how awful things are in Syria. Uh, every Herbert that ever passed his driving test is determined to cut me up or yeah. act the lad. One of those kind of days. One of those days. I just missed the lights. We were already late. Uh, and the phone goes, and of course it's hands-free, and you can press a button and have yeah. a conversation with somebody else. Um, and it was a friend from Australia talking about her divorce. And um, I, I did say to her, I can't talk now. Yeah. <laughs> it was literally way too much for the bandwidth yeah. going on here. And I, I shut that down and then somebody else did something else. And, and the, I did the only obvious thing that you would do in that situation and turn around and bit the kids' heads off. Yeah, Not their fault. No. And if that was the only thing I was dealing with, it would all be good. Yeah. But it's like when you try and open 93 tabs on Microsoft Edge. Yeah. And run Excel 
yeah. and you've got all the other stuff open, yeah. suddenly the computer's bandwidth runs out yeah. and it freezes. Yeah. And I think we've reached, we're, we're way past the limit, the bandwidth limit yeah. for our heads with all the simultaneous stuff going on. We are, we are overly connected to lots of different things in parallel. Overly connected, but then massively under, underly, underly, is that a word? It, uh, it may not be, but I know what you mean. <laughs> I'm going to go with underly, underly connected with human connection, with yeah. with real looking at somebody in the eyes, and and with, yeah. that's what we're. we're if 100 percent connection is what we're capable of, and we're allocating 80 percent connection to what's going on everywhere else in the yeah. world, and Facebook groups are about the breed of dog that we have, and we're on LinkedIn and we're on Twitter, and we're either we have to grow our capacity, and yeah. there's a limit to that, yeah. or we are going to erode our connectedness to yeah. family and friends and, and all the rest well, of it. Well, we are. We... And when you divide yourself too much is when I think our brain struggles yeah. and mental ill health comes in yeah. because we've got too many competing pressures well I, th- I think we stop we we stop losing some of the the really important kind of uh i can't think of the word i'm going to use the word factors that we we just need on a day-to-day basis and you mentioned one of them earlier and, and for me it's uh gratitude and self-care both really really important elements that i feel we need to be practicing on a daily basis because if not we 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 just get stuck and there's nothing it's like it's nothing feeding us there's nothing feeding us all it's all about how much money can i earn how fast can i go uh what about this competition and that competition how do i look how's my job going am i being successful hitting all of those markers that may have been implanted when we were uh, young but the human connection and the gratitude for what is around us yeah vanishes it it does and and there's we're not we're not ever taught to bring our own awareness to our mental state, if, if that doesn't sound too woo. But no, it's not. I, you do, know, do I, you know what I mean? But bringing bringing your focus to it and actively thinking. Yeah. How am I sleeping? How have I been eating? Have I been doing any exercise? How do I feel about decision making? Yeah. How do I meet? You know. How, how connected do I what feel? What am I feeling? Yeah, what, what am I feeling? Because it's very easy to hit autopilot and yeah. then go slightly numb to what's going on around us. Yeah. And the more numb you are, the more numb you get. So you were, talk, you were talking earlier about how we were talking about bandwidth. We were talking about uh, how we live in a world that is way, way faster than ever before. The, the, the ruby wax analogy is brilliant. And I don't think I'd ever seen it with such clarity and, until then. Uh, small settlements, 20 or 30 people, we, we can connect. Now I can talk to people from anywhere around the world in any moment that I, I choose to do that. Yeah. So I can have conversations with all sorts of people. So that, firstly, that has become a safer way to communicate because we can just turn it off. Yeah. Whereas if we're in a settlement, going back to Ruby Wax's kind of analogy, and there is a next-door neighbour... Uh, that we're having a dispute with, we can't just turn that off. We have to resolve it. We do have to resolve it. And I think that's almost healthy because you, you can't hide behind a keyboard nope. and just hurl your side out. You have to 
focus on it. Yes, yeah. it. it is in both of your interests. Process. We for have this to process not it. to be a thing and to work through yeah. what the compromise and to have some mutual understanding of you know yeah different perspectives. Yeah. The, the what we've done. So there's you'll know what this figure is. You'll have heard it a hundred times. You know we we are an autopilot. Uh, the first time I heard this, it was something like 93% of the day. So by autopilot, I mean in the unconscious part of the mind. Uh, the other, only 7% are we in the conscious part of the mind really thinking about uh, what we're doing and saying. Mm. The last time I heard that, it was 95%. And I was like, hold on, that's <laughs> that's gone up by 2% in a matter of like two or three years. I would love to know what that figure was 100 years ago. Yeah. I would love to know because in my head it's down at like 75% because we do need a certain amount of autopilot because if I if I make a cup of tea for example I don't need to think acutely what I'm doing I just want to be able to make a cup of tea. Yeah. If my body says I need the toilet then I want to be able to go and use the toilet without thinking about it too much. If I want to drive somewhere I want to be able to go and drive on semi autopilot. But what we've done is we've developed this this kind of system where we are more and more in autopilot, not thinking about what we are doing, saying, or even what we're feeling. Mm. And I, I mean, I'll, I'll go back to the, you know, if you've got 100% capacity yeah. and you're trying to do 10 things, they yeah. can have 10% each or, you know, some will have less than 10%, but the, the, the sum total is still yeah. 100%. The more you try and do in parallel, yeah. the more divided everything is getting yeah so if you're driving towards a, a radio station yeah whilst having a phone call <laughs> with, this is your journey this possibly was my journey <laughs> driving driving towards a radio station whilst having a phone call with someone about a work issue yeah um and uh and then also trying to get hold of your daughter to tell her that she has just got the the job that she was going for, and I, I've got three things going yeah. on at once there. Yeah. So by definition, I'm not just yeah. driving. Yeah. We we are capable. We are so connected. We are capable of yeah. doing more than one thing at once. But we've still only got 100% capacity. We haven't yeah. got 150% no. capacity. No, because that, that's that yeah. can't increase. No. It, it can't. Not unless our heads get very, very big and our, our brains grow, which I don't think is a great idea. Or... We start employing some strategies to help us to categorise and unpick the thing that needs to have our most attention. Yeah. And and when you draw your attention to how you're feeling yeah. about things and you start to break them down. And one of the things that we do in um, the mental health first aider training is look at the stress bucket. Yeah. And we ask people to look at what is in their stress bucket. We all have one. Some people's stress bucket is massive and they seem to be able to cope with yeah. all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And stay level. And some people have a much smaller stress bucket and seem to um, seem to reach capacity. Yeah. Much quicker and over potentially smaller things. And that, you know, some of that will be genetics. Some of yeah. that will be childhood. Some of that will be... Um, neither neither being right or wrong. No. Just, it's just different. A thing. It's yeah. different. Just a thing. Yeah. It, it is just the way it is. And the trick with a stress bucket is to understand what's in it. Yeah. Understand what your strategies are for letting the stress out of the bottom of the bucket before yeah. it overflows yeah. at the top. And we have that stress reaction, yeah. which is you know, the emotional snap that is, I can't do that anymore, yeah. in whatever way. 
And I, one of the lovely things about doing that exercise is, A, it's the first time people have thought about, you know, when you write into your stress bucket, all the things that you've got going on yeah. in your head at any point in time and realize the size and shape of it. And then do an analysis of how many of these things have I got evidence for? Yeah. How many of them? <laughs> my kids are bored witless with me saying, yeah, but just remember thoughts aren't facts. Just because you've got a thought doesn't mean that it's a fact. Yeah. And we have to separate genuine worries about how you're going to pay the rent from the concern that everybody hates you yeah. or the concern that you've offended somebody. Yeah. Those those two things, some of some will be you have evidence for that being a thing yeah. you should be worrying about. Some of those could just be internally generated by your own self esteem and low self confidence yeah. and all the rest of it. Unpicking that can be vastly helpful. Yeah. Unpicking which things can I control. Yeah. If this is the list of things yeah. that I need to worry about, yeah. which of these can I control? Yeah. Because you have to let go of the things that you can't. Yeah. And you have to work out what is your response to handling yeah. things that you can't control. And just that little bit of awareness about your approach to thinking about the stresses in life yeah. can be phenomenally helpful at just simmering down all the things that you're trying to do in parallel so yeah. that you focus your attention to the things that you genuinely have a chance of controlling yeah. and influencing and eliminate the wheat and the chaff yeah. that is just taking up capacity for no good reason. One simple little, I guess it's a filter to put stuff through. Ask yourself this question, can I change it? Yes. And if the answer is no, then let it go. In it. Just, just let yeah. it go. Yeah. <coughs> we've, Excuse um, me. We've just come through a reorganisation at work and um, uh, it, it's the second of three waves of reorganisation applying for roles yeah. into a new structure and predictably there yeah. are fewer roles in the new structure. So this is not small stress yeah. for folk. Um, and, and we went through the process of saying it's alarming. I get that yeah. it's stressful. We can't change the fact that it's happening. No. The thing that you can control is taking up all the training on how to write a good job application. Yep. Take up all the training on how to, uh, on, on interviews. Um, I set up in, within my team, set up a group of senior managers who are willing to review anybody's application. You can present yourself into this process yep. the best that you possibly can. Yep. That is where your area of control is. Yeah. You can't change the process, but you can change and focus on yeah. being the best version of yourself into that process yeah. as the means by which you manage the stress of it. Yeah. If you rail and get angry and you're frustrated and you're um, catastrophizing, yeah. all of those things are understandable, but ultimately non-productive. Yeah. They will just consume your time and energy, yeah. but they're not going to deliver you a good outcome yeah um and it, it you know that perspective is is hugely important just a little bit about energy if you consider that we have at the beginning of each day we would like to hope and this is not necessarily the case that we have a, a full battery at the beginning of each day then we only have so much energy to spend on that day so tapping into what you're saying if we're using that energy to worry on stuff that we have no control over no change we we have no ability to change then it's just absolutely wasted energy wasted, it's just it's just yeah. wasted and and the thing is with change is we 
we going back to the kind of organizational stuff we don't like change humans do not inherently do not like change i'm delivering a workshop tomorrow uh and i'm using the book uh who moved my cheese mm. to deliver this workshop just to help people understand why we don't like change and and actually if we are able to see that and look at the way forward then we can at least kind of negotiate it a little bit healthier yeah i, I remember years ago being made redundant from the nhs and honestly, at the time, my, my mind was completely split into two, and it was going, one side was going, this is amazing, this is great, you can go and do your own stuff, and you've, you've been set free with a little bit of money in your pocket. And the other side was going ballistic. And it was like, wanting to see managers, wanting to see HR directors. And, and six years on, I know now, it was absolutely the best thing that could have ever happened to me, but it was unfair. And I knew it was unfair because of the way they'd done it, because they gave my job that was created for me to somebody else that was completely inappropriate. And I was like, no... Now I go, they set you free, which is amazing. But the little primal part of me was still quite active at that point. Yeah. Uh, and it's really hard to see. It's really hard. I remember managers sitting in front of me and patronising me and going, well, you know, you didn't do very well in your interview. And I was like, it was my job. Yeah. You know, I've been doing that job for five years. Yeah. It was created for me. I built everything around it. And then you gave it to somebody else. Yeah. How was how that even fair? Yeah. And, and some of that assaults your integrity and your yeah. sense of what have i done for the last five years yeah did, did that not mean anything because i was really pa i mean i'm always passionate about my job but i was passionate about it then as well i was passionate about what i created yeah. and then they literally took it off me and gave it to somebody else i was like this is crazy yeah. uh and because i was working with people again so i was i was a little bit fearful for the people that were being taken off me and then passed to somebody else and all of those relationships i built but still six years on in a in a in a way better place than I than I've ever been because I couldn't have done what I do now without that. So change, although it's frightening, can be an amazing thing. It is, and it's it's when you're pushed out of your comfort zone that you yeah. learn, yeah, and that you learn you learn who you are and what you're capable of. Yeah, you learn a little bit more about. You know, I've I've had two or three very similar experiences where yeah. you think that's not okay. Yeah. But I can't change what you're doing. No. My job now for me is to focus on how I make the best of the next situation. Yeah. And I, I, you come out the other side and you go, yeah, actually, wouldn't change that for the world yeah. because of what it's taught me. Oh, absolutely. Um, but it can be very hard at the time. <clears throat> it's just it's just hard at the time. It's about we'd, we're not good with fear. And I always say, you know, if you are feeling often, not always, if you're feeling a little bit fearful, a little bit anxious... For me, it's usually quite a good thing because it's, it indicates some sort of growth. Yeah. It means that somehow we are growing in some way. Like I say, not always, but often it, it indicates that. Yeah, and a, a smidge outside your comfort zone yeah. is enough adrenaline for you to be uncomfortable and learning. Yeah. Um, too far and when you've been thrown out of your comfort zone, yeah. it can be quite disorienting. But, yeah, with the right balance. So, new can be very powerful absolutely absolutely but the mind doesn't change it so for you now given some of your past how do, and <laughs> so you I, I i hope i can share this so you walked into the studio today and you looked at me and and you were just a, a couple of minutes late but you, you looked at me you took this really deep breath and you went right breathe <laughs> so it looked like it had been quite a stressful journey for you now how do you recognize I, in therapy, I call them red flag moments. 
I was trying to create with people red flag moments. What are, what are your red flag moments? How do you know you're not going to go back to that place? What do you put into place for you? Um, so since I had the big depression uh, 10 years ago when I had three months off, I've had two episodes since then yep. when it's started to creep in. Little warning signs? Little warning signs. Yeah. Um, first one, I was much more in denial. Yeah. Um, second one was quite acute, but that was driven by some uh, fairly poor behaviour at, at work, yeah. and, and which is you know we've, it's, it's all sorted. Yeah. It, it came on very quickly. Came on you know, that came on quite quickly. Um, but both times, what I noticed as the as the stress was rising and as the um, stress hormone in particular yeah. was rising, um, I noticed two things: my ability to concentrate disappears and yep. i start butterflying okay I call it butterflying so i will start 11 billion tasks <laughs> finish none of them and then be really stressed that i've done nothing and it and it's it's driven by the oh my god i've got to do that and that and yeah oh yeah right and i open it and i start it and then my brain says you've got to do that as well yeah. and, and 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 so now i've got eight emails open. <laughs> eight, eight emails are open there's a document open i'm on my phone because and i am utterly unproductive when i get in that state and i'm I'm my own worst enemy. Yeah. Um, so butterf- when butterflies, but when yeah. butterflying happens, I know that I'm starting to get just a little bit overwhelmed yeah. with with stuff, and I've stopped being productive. Um, and the the other one is I get um, dull. I get very flat. Right. Okay. So my sense of humour um, becomes much flatter. Yeah. Uh, and when I'm not able to laugh at the kids prattling about yeah when i'm not able to laugh at myself i know that i'm i'm starting to slide yeah. and that things are getting just a little bit out of kilter um and i just need to to row it back what great warning signs and 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 how amazing that you develop them and you can see them yeah that's mostly that's that's not great because that's practice <laughs> <laughs> oh dear um. Here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, I was laughing when you were saying it because I was like, was it, was it Saturday that I was trying to do something? I was, I was trying to write. I was trying to write tomorrow's workshop, which still isn't written. Yeah, adrenaline's <laughs> a great thing. I find evening evening writing before the, the day before a delivery. I find I do my best work. <laughs> I've never, I've never failed yet. Uh, and I was laughing because that's what I do. I sit with something, and then I go to this, and then I go to that, and then I'm, I'm like, just pull it back in. Why are you not focused? Uh, so unwittingly, I've noticed that I butterfly quite a lot, but always thought oh, it's just my attention mm. <laughs> i've got adhd uh no i haven't uh <laughs> although maybe i have i don't i don't know but i know that i i struggle to focus for i think it's any more than about 20 minutes mm. on anything so i i i, I kind of write that in and go okay so 20 minutes then go make a cup of tea yeah. 20 minutes then whatever yeah. just just break it up but recognition so what you were talking about then is awareness mm. Awareness of self. Awareness of self. Yeah. yeah, we're not we're not taught to do it, and it's almost like having awareness of self is it is somehow self indulgent. No, it's not because if you were aware that you had a fever uh, or that you'd bashed your leg and yeah. it was swelling, or if you were leaking blood all over the place, you would have that awareness, yeah. Yeah. and it would be okay to deal with it. Yeah, if you have niggly tummy pains or regular occurrences of something, yeah, we have that awareness. Yeah. And we explore it. Yes. That's okay. Why wouldn't we do the same Absolutely. when we get the niggly signs that 
we haven't got you know we're snapping at the kids more we haven't got energy yeah. we're sleeping more uh we've got cycles of thoughts scrolling through our minds and we can't switch the film reel off yeah when when all of those things start to become factors yeah. acknowledging them recognizing them and doing stuff to facilitate that yeah. is as important as it is to go and get the I was about to go and say get the you know persistent cough checked out I was meaning query you know lung yeah. problem it's probably the not the example of choice to choose <laughs> right now but you know what I mean <laughs> Listen, by the time this is there, we, we might be completely over it. So, so just to clarify, this has been recorded on the 9th of March, I believe. We're in the middle of uh, coronavirus, a kind of uh, panic. So let's hope by the time this is aired, maybe in April, that we will be done with <laughs> coronavirus. Let's, let's see what Pray happens. Pray for some warm weather. <laughs> yes. Jackie, thank you so much for coming in today. We've come to the end of our recording. Oh, I really enjoyed that. But... It would be really nice to have you back at some point and, and, and talk some more because I, I feel like we could talk for hours on this. Uh, it's it's brilliant and and our minds our minds are very similar. You have a creative mind which I like. <laughs> I always like a creative mind because it makes me feel normal. <laughs> Whatever normal. We're all is. normal. We should talk about our minds more. We we talk we don't talk enough, so everybody no. thinks that their mind is the only one yeah. that's, that's that's a bit weird. Yeah. Actually, if everybody talked about minds, we'd all realise that. There's a lot of similarities. similarities. Yeah. And hopefully through people listening to these, then people will talk more about it and, and be okay to do that. Is there anything you want to leave the listener with? Any final nuggets? Um, golden nuggets. They golden nuggets. My golden nugget of choice at the moment is to let the wasps out. It's really important always to talk. Yeah. Even if you don't think about uh, why you feel the way you do talking about how you are feeling is the single most powerful thing yeah if you lock wasps in a jar they buzz yeah and they get louder and if yeah. you park them on your shoulder and try to do your day with bu wasps buzzing in your ear trapped in a jar yeah it's really difficult thoughts and feelings that are trapped in your skull pinging off your brain yeah taking up your time and energy yeah talking is the equivalent of taking the lid off the jar let the wasps out yeah talk to somebody or write it in a letter that you don't send or you do yeah. send, but let the wasps out yeah. and they lose their impetus, yeah. they lose their momentum and you, you'll find and also they mentally much calmer. They calm down because they're a little bit freer. Yeah. What an amazing analogy, let the wasps out. I like that. Jackie, Feel thank free you. free to so steal it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your uh, very valuable input there. It's thank been amazing. Thank you for having me. No, it's been, a, it's been an absolute pleasure. That's it. I'm nearly out of here. Remember that we record these podcasts for you. If you have a story to tell, either professionally or personally, then give us a shout. You can contact me at Guthrie Therapy or you can contact the radio station. All details are via Google. So remember, as we move forward, we really want you to take care of yourself. Be kind to yourself, be respectful to yourself, and take care of everybody around you. We are all humans living a human experience. Time out. Speak to you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>